Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Let's jump into the word. Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Verse, starting with verse 21, I'm going to read to verse 33. Submit to one another. Paul says, out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is, I already heard some, some oh my's out in the crowd. Submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ also, wives should submit to their husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, No one ever hated their own body, but they feed, they care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, And the wife must respect her husband. All right. There you go. That's what the Bible says. Let's pray now that we can just uh, love it. All right. Lord, we love you. We love your word. We know that your word has something to say about every year of our life. We put your word in a place of supreme authority in our lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. I'm going to preach today on your love story. And I can already tell that some in the room, uh, we got some single people in the room that are already like, oh, great. Like, I made it through the rain and the Florida blizzard, and I came to church, uh, and now I got to hear about marriage. All right, let me just say this uh, to all the single people. Number one, singleness is a gift from God. And, uh, and so uh, the, the, that's, that's biblical. And some of you married people need to chill out on some of your single friends, all right? Like, unless they've asked you to keep their eye, you know, hey, keep your eye out. I'm looking. Like, unless they've asked you to, some of y'all need to chill out on them. Uh, but I will say this to all the single people. Number one is, trust me, we're going to cover some stuff that will still apply to, uh, to where you're at in your own heart and your own romantic uh, life. And so we, we will cover some stuff. But I will say this, you, you don't know what God has in store for you uh, in the future anyway. And, and, and if nothing else, some of you single people can become great marriage counselors after this message today. So you can just sit and here, let me tell you how to get this thing straightened out. I listened to my pastor and we got it. All right. And so uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about that. But what we have to decide is who is going to set the direction of our love story. Because there is plenty of, there's plenty of discipleship out there. All right? Every movie, every TV show, uh, the music industry, every lyric of the songs, they are discipling you. And they are setting you on a course uh, of, of 
of really a, a crash. I mean, it's, it's not heading in the right. You're, it's taking you the wrong direction. So there's plenty of discipleship out there. What we have to do as Christians and what Paul's doing here, this is my favorite passage to teach from when it comes to marriage and the home. And, and he, he even goes on as, as we carry, if we were to carry over into the next few chapters of, of, of verses of chapter six, he's talking about parenting and whatever. So this is my favorite passage to teach on. Uh, and I'm gonna, I've, t- I've taught on it before, but I'm gonna teach some things I've never taught. I'm gonna bring some things out of it that I've never brought out of it before. But what we have to do is we have to decide, okay, where am I going to get my inspiration from? I mean, where, what direction am I going to go? Who am I going to listen to when it comes to my love story? I like what Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. The Passion Translation says, Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. Instead, be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. I, some of that, that needs to happen in some of our lives today. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of culture. Let's be transformed by the Holy Spirit, a total reformation of how you think. And so we, we, we read some of those verses already, and some of us were like, ah, I'm not sure about that. Let's just, let's just let God uh, kind of teach us a little bit of, of what this might look like. And so there's a few pillars I just want to bring out as we talk about uh, romance and marriage and, and these relationships and uh, so I want you to take some notes if, if, you, uh, if, you, if you can. First kind of pillar to the story. The first, uh, 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 I mean, the first standard God would set uh, in, in, in these verses that we read would be this. Number one, submission is safe. I even heard a couple wives say amen. Submission is safe. Now let's look at what Paul said first. Keep in mind, in verse 20, well, look how he starts this whole, this whole thought. He says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Paul sets the foundation of all of this talk by saying, hey, there is such a thing as mutual submission. We go, well, what does that look like? Because isn't that going to be chaos? I mean, everybody's just submitting to everybody, and the, the parents are submitting to the kids, and the, he's submitting to her, and, she, and she's submitting to him, and everybody's submitting to him. So isn't this going to be chaos? Well, I think we have sometimes a uh, less than full definition, an understanding of what submission is. Let's do this. Let's say that you, it's your first day of, of a college course. It's the beginning of the semester. And the, the professor hands out the syllabus and says, at the end of the semester, there will be a term paper due. And in the syllabus, it says what date it is due. And it needs to be submitted by Midnight of this date, towards the end of the semester. A lot of times the professors will say, now I'm not going to mention this again. You have the syllabus. You don't forget. And so what good students do is they start working on that term paper immediately. Right there at the beginning of the semester, doing a little bit as they go. They have it done plenty of time. Reworks, re-edits, and this already. And they submit it in plenty of time. That's not how some of you did college. It's not how I did college. Uh, some of us, what we did is we waited until about, I don't know, two days out or something like that. Uh, people start talking about that term paper. You're like, what term paper? The one, remember, remember at the beginning? Oh, yeah, that's right. So you, then you take that last uh, 36 to 48 hours and you do nothing but the term paper. Like, no sleep, no eating. We just got to get this thing done. But either way, it has to be submitted by midnight of this date. Submit. Think about, what, is, what am I doing in that situation? I'm I'm giving it. I'm giving that paper to the professor. 
We could think about this when Paul begins by saying, submit to one another. You know what he's saying? Is that in every relationship, if you can be more about giving than you are about taking, that relationship's gonna go pretty well. That's what Paul's saying, yeah. And I heard somebody ask one pastor one time, they said, how often do you talk about giving? How, many, uh, how, how often do you preach about giving in church? He said, every weekend. Why? Because you can't talk about what our relationship with God and what God has done for us without talking about giving. It's not always finances, no. But now it's talking about giving ourselves to one another. Let's keep in mind as we go through this that Paul begins this portion as he's teaching on on the home and the relationships and marriage. He begins by saying, hey, let's give ourselves to one another. Let's be submitted to one another. Let's be more focused on what we can give not what we can get. I, I mean, we could, honestly, we could stop there. We could pray for marriages and we, we'd, be, we'd be better off. All right, he says, verse 21, submit to one another. Now, here we go, verse 22. Wives, submit to your husbands, to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now, this submission that the, that the wife is called, to, uh, called to, uh, uh, to, to give to the husband, it's important for us to understand what it's not. It is not a, uh, it's not a call for uh, subservience or a denial of the woman's individuality or that she is to have no opinion or no say or uh, you know, no, no uh, desire for, for, for anything. We must not think of this submission. It's not about slavery. It's not about subjugation. This word actually comes in the Greek from a military term, and it simply just means rank. It means to find the proper, to arrange under the proper rank. And so if you think about it in that military context, uh, okay, if there's rank and soldiers are of different rank, so there may be a soldier that's of this rank and a soldier that's of this rank and a soldier that's of this rank. And it doesn't mean that the one here is less of a person. It doesn't mean that the one here is a, 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 is, is a, a, a lower uh, humanity. It doesn't mean that this person's not, uh, that uh, the person in lower rank is not, is, well, they're automatically not as smart or they're not as gifted. No, that's not what it means. It means that there, there, there are times when there is a rank that's going to be necessary. There is a time when an order is going to be necessary. So submission has really more to do with the operation of authority. It's not even, it's probably even less the order of authority and more the operation of authority. How it's given and how it's received. Now, the, the, one of the parts that uh, sometimes maybe we have the toughest time with um, is verse 24 when he says, also so wives should submit to their husbands, and then he uses this language, wives should submit to their husbands in everything. And we go, did God, but God didn't mean that part. Like, did God really mean in everything? That's because that's, that's strong language. Well, so we have to take a passage like that and we have to put it under the context of, of, of the entire New Testament. We have to look at, okay, what, what, does, the, what does the New Testament overall tell us? And so uh, I, let, me, let me start by saying this. Paul clearly, uh, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, he teaches that men and women are of equal standing before God, okay? So he does teach that. Also, for you married people, 
Uh, write this re- scripture reference down. You can look at it later tonight at about 10.30 or 11. Turn the lights down, soft music, and then read. The, all right. I'm not going to read it now. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 2 through 4. Some guys have finally started taking notes. This is amazing. This is the first time some of you guys have started like, hold on. What was that verse again? Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 2 through 4. But in there, Paul teaches that in the sexual relationship of, of marriage, that is the context that uh, a, a sexual uh, God g- gave us a sexuality, and that's the context. Is, is it within the context of, uh, of a marriage between one man and, and one woman? And so anyway, in that, this is where Paul is teaching that the, the, the husband and the wife have equal say and equal responsibility in the sexual relationship. And so, uh, okay, now let's get back to Paul saying, Wives must submit to their husbands in everything. So when we look at the totality of Scripture, here's what we know, is that that will be true in, in, in cases except in which a husband is asking a wife to do something that is non, unscriptural, unbiblical, or, or sin. So there would be no submission in that situation, no call for submission in that situation. Why? Because the totality of Scripture would say that. First, we're going to be obedient to God. And so I'll give a, just a, a goofy example of that. But let's say we got a husband and wife, and times are tough, and they're, they're uh, trying to make ends meet, and they don't seem to ever have enough at the end of the month. And so the husband says, honey, I was at the bank the other day, and I noticed that bank has a lot of money. So I have an idea. I feel like it's from the Lord, but we're going to go in there and rob that bank, and you're going to help me do it. And so I need you to go in there, and you, you hold the weapon, and I'll hold the bag, and then you drive away. Like, and can you see this woman now at her trial going, well, I'm a Christian, and I was submitting to my husband. Like, so no, there would be, there would be times when, when this submission and everything is going to be qualified by the totality of, of Scripture, and also in, the, in light of the day and age that we live in and uh, the, the, the fact that physical abuse is so rampant. And so this would never be a situation where a woman is supposed to just put herself under, under abuse and, and by doing so not even taking care of herself. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and God has a lot that he wants you to do. And so uh, he would not want you to, 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 to remain in a situation like that under the guise of, of submission. And so submitting to your husband in everything would, would come under the context of, of all of Scripture. And this submission by the wife is not because it's, it's because of, it's because I'm submitted to Christ that, 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 that I would submit to one another. So as a wife, it's because you're submitted to Christ that you would submit to a husband. It's not because a husband demands it that then, that then you would submit. And by submitting to the husband, here's what you allow the husband to do. The word husband, in, in like the original uh, probably Latin is where this word, uh, so husband comes from this. It, it, it comes from this meaning house band. House band. Like not house band like the drummer and the guitarist. No. I'm saying that a husband is to be the band that holds the house together. And when, a, when, when, wise, when you submit, what you're doing is you're, you're trying to give every means possible for him to be the very thing that holds the home together. And when a husband loves you the way Christ loves the church, it's easy to submit and allow him to be the band that holds the home together. All right, let's go. That was to wives. Let's go to the husbands and the wives said amen. All the wives uh, here just said get them. 
All right, here we go. It's going to be fun. I will. <laughs> Verse 25. Paul says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish or be holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Now, it's interesting to note that when Paul was talking to the wives, he used about 41 words. And when Paul was talking to the husbands, he used about 116 words. I present that it might be because the husband's role is that much more important. It's just such a heavy calling that it just takes more explanation. Now, I know what some of the wives are thinking. No, I think it's because it takes three times as long for husbands to get something, to understand. Is that what some of you were thinking? That's what I thought. All right, maybe a little bit of both. Either way, Paul spends much more energy Paul spends much more time explaining the role of husband. Three times the amount of words to explain to husbands what their role is compared to what he explains uh, to what uh, a wife's role is. And what he's, I think what he's trying to do is making sure that the husbands understand that your role is to love in such a way that it makes submission by the wife easy. In this, in this analogy between husbands and wives, uh, he says, wives, submit to the husband. And then when he goes to the husband, notice what he doesn't do. He doesn't say, now, and so she's going to submit, so let me tell you how to manage a woman. He didn't do that. He says, now, as she submits, let me tell you how to keep her right in line. And you got to make sure, because she's going to veer off here, and she's going to do this, and she might have a tendency to, to spend too much, and she might have a tendency to talk to, like, no, he didn't do any of that. He said, now, as, as she submits to you, now, here's what your role is. Your role is to love her. Love must be elevated. That's kind of the second pillar. If you, if you are taking some notes, just, just maybe put that down. But love, and this is, you know, obviously directed to husbands, but love must be elevated. This is not just some common, matter of fact, the, the word, the Greek word used here is agape. There's, there's three different uh, Greek words that gets translated as love in the Bible. This is the highest form. This is, uh, this is love that is unconditional. This is love that, uh, uh, that has nothing to do with what, what I'm getting for this. This is, this is the highest form of love. And sometimes, especially at the beginning of relationships, there's a lot of attraction. There's a lot of physical attraction that goes on in the relationships. I remember when I first met my wife, and my wife is out of town today, so it's a great week to talk about marriage because <laughs> I can just share my version, you know, and nobody's holding me accountable. But when I first uh, met my wife, I can remember I met her at a citywide youth rally when I was just before my senior year of high school. And, uh, and I met her for the first time, and I, I was praising the Lord at that point for his handiwork. I'm like, Lord, you did good with this one. And um, I walked up to her, and I said, hey, do you need prayer? Because I would not may, mind laying hands on you right now. Like, let's, let's pray. No, you know I didn't do that. But it's a good one. I told you I was going to help some single people out. There you go. There's a... There's an in-church pickup line right there for you. I told you I was going to help you. No, but so, I mean, and, and right, and within the marriage relationships, that, that attraction continues, and that, uh, uh, and that physical attraction, and the passion, and the romance, and all that. 
And what Paul is saying when we talk about this, this elevated love, this unconditional love, he's not saying that this physical attraction or passion or emotion would, should not be a part of it. What he's saying is that it should not be based on that. Where we get into trouble is when we base it on those things. Where we get into trouble is we start to think that, um, that me giving love to her should be in the proportion that she is giving uh, submission to me. That's a dangerous place to be. Wives, you're not, you're not called to give submission in proportion to the amount of love that he, or at the same rate that he's giving love to you. No, you're just called to submit. Husbands, you're not called to love in the same proportion or at the same rate that she's giving submission. No, this is an unconditional, this is a uh, beyond any kind of uh, other dependent or not dependent on any other actions. This is unconditional love. So, so these other things can be the beginning, the, other, the, the, the beauty, the emotion, the attraction, the passion. It's just not what we're based on. Husbands, you are called to love at a high standard. As, look at that. We're supposed to love our wives like Christ loved the church. Could there be a higher example set on our love? And we're, we're going to jump into more of that in just a moment. But uh, I said last Wednesday night, I, I said that hardly any good has ever come from social media. I do want to just jump into social media and let's just check on how uh, some marriages are doing uh, on social media. Check this out. I know. No, we do yeah. have fights. I, we have, we don't have fights. We have discussions when you won't do what I say to you. There you go. That's it. When I don't do what she wants me to do, then that is a no-no. Hey, babe, can you take out the trash while I do the dishes? Yeah, give me a minute. All right. All right, we just we just want to show you a couple of things of what not to do just to get you going. I heard about one one man, he was married for 66 years and uh, somebody walked up to him, they were talking about it, and they said, man, that's amazing. What's the secret to being married for 66 years? And he goes, well, we said on, on day one that, uh, that the man makes the big decisions and the woman makes the, the little decisions. And this person said, well, does that work? And he goes, yeah, it does, 66 years, and not one big decision has come up. <laughs> that might be a plan, I don't know. Let's jump back in, all right. The third, the third pillar to, uh, to if we're going to go to God to set our love story, I think the third, uh, the third truth, the third promise we'd wanna, we want to jump out is, is this. Marriage is a miracle. Marriage is a miracle. Look at what verse 31 and 32. For this reason, a man would leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and, and the two will become one flesh. That's... That's miraculous talk there. This is a profound mystery. Marriage is. But I am talking about Christ and the church. Paul's just jumping back and forth between this is what godly, Christian, earthly marriage looks like, and then he just jumps over, and this, it's Christ and the church. And he just goes back and forth, which is why I say marriage is miraculous, it's mysterious, it's, 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 it's a model. It's, it's, we, we don't just enter into this thing as some sort of 
contract. We're entering into it as a covenant because it's a model. It's an illustration of what Christ's relationship with the church is. And I don't think that there's probably been a, a generation ever in the, in the history of, of, of mankind that have ever had a high enough esteem for the institution of marriage. And I will say this about what happened. So Paul, Paul begins here, right? He begins to talk about some of the behavior within marriage. He says the two will become one flesh. And he is talking about that in a spiritual sense, but that is also a reference to physical activity, a sexual relationship within a marriage. And let me say this to single people. It's, it's dangerous when you want to pretend like you're married to somebody that you're not married to because what you're doing in that situation is you are having a, a lower standard of what marriage is because what you're saying is I don't need marriage to have the, this relationship that is reserved in the Bible, reserved for God's best for me in, within the context of marriage. And so uh, that's always a dangerous thing when, when somebody's posting that, oh, he's my everything. Y'all been dating for like three days. He's my everything. Like you spending every waking minute with him. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying reserve some of that for marriage because marriage is, is supposed to be the place where that stuff happens. Then that's the miracle and the, the, the mystery of marriage. So you can't say too often that it's, uh, that it's of, of high importance um, Obviously, in our society, that is going away. I uh, saw a study about 44% of, of, of adults think that marriage is not necessary. Uh, and, and so that's, that's showing that marriage is uh, maybe perceived by the world as, as a little bit on the decline. Let me give you five things real quick to consider uh, as we think about the, the miracle of marriage. This is some things to consider before marriage and even during a marriage. Number one would be this. Choose a partner that you get along with. I know that sounds like no-brainer, like of course, but isn't it true? Don't, haven't we all seen that couple that's like been engaged for six months and they fight every single day and you're just going, guys, I'm not sure about this. Like, so you should, you should choose somebody that you, that you get along with and it's just prevention is, is, is a little bit better than having to find a cure later on. Um, number two would be this, don't marry until you are sure that you can love entirely. Some people just aren't ready to, to give love like this. Like, what, like we just talked about, that love, this is an elevated love. This is a love as Christ loves the church. And if you're not ready to do that, if you're not a place that you can do that, then, then wait for a minute and get, 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 maybe get some things fixed up. Sometimes we want the other person in the marriage to complete us. That's a faulty system. No, be a complete person. Two complete people coming together as one flesh. That's how marriage will be successful. Three Love not as just a mere husband or a mere wife, but love as Christians. Our Christian marriages are supposed to look different than the world. Again, where are we going to go? Who Are we going to just give in to our culture? Are we going to submit to our culture? Or are we going to submit to the Lord? We're, we're loving as Christians. Number four, avoid giving offense. Some of us in marriages, we know exactly what's going to hurt our, our, our spouse the most. We, we use our words to hurt, avoid giving offense because that, that offense would just bring more and more division. And number five, within a, a marriage, exercise patience. It's cool. Marriage is a really good place for us to flex the fruit of the Spirit in our life. And sometimes the ones that we say we love the most get the worst version of us. And it just shouldn't be that way. 
And we, we really need to change that. If, if that's, I mean, if you, if you exercise the fruit of the Spirit and you got all this love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and that's going everywhere else, and then when you get home, it's just completely, well, I'm empty of it by then. No, it doesn't work like that. Be patient with one another. It'll, it'll help keep that marriage miraculous like it's meant to be. And uh, last one would be this. Last pillar, last truth um, would be this. These assignments will bring success. I, I would hope that some hope gets restored in some marriages that maybe we're feeling a little bit hopeless. But look at verse 33. So Paul spends from verse 22 to the end of chapter 5, he spends all that time talking about marriage, husbands and wives and uh, Christ and the church. And he's, he spends a lot of time. Then he summarizes it in verse 33. He said, okay, if I have to just bring it down to one verse, one sentence, this is what it is. So this is the summary. Look at it. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself. When Paul started, he started with the wives and then went to the husbands. Now in the summer, he starts with the husbands and goes to the wives. However, each one of you husbands must love your wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So he introduces some new language here in the summary. So he summarizes this whole submission thing, and he begins to call it respect. Starts with the husbands. He says, husbands, love your wife as you love yourself. Husbands, let me speak to you real quick and say this. Your number one greatest duty in marriage is to love your wife in the way that she can see it and feel it in her own heart. It's not for her to go, well, she should just know it. No, no, no. It, I want to love her in a way that she feels it and knows it all the time. I want her to have this sense that I only have eyes for her. I want her to have the sense that I love her. And maybe it would be as practical as this. I know some of you, I know this is dangerous, but some of you husbands at some point today, you need to look at your wife and say, are, is there any doubt that I love you? Is there, have I done anything? Am I, am I showing you enough that I love you? Do you feel fully, fully loved? And so it, it, it may be a, a, a comment like that. It may be some words of affirmation. Figure out what her love language is. If you've never read the book on love languages, that may be a great start to know even what her love language is. It may look like a, a bit of affection that's a non-sexual moment of affection. Some of you guys are like, what is that? What is that now? A non-sexual affection. What's that? Exactly, this could be the problem. But we want to make sure, we want to know that, our, that we're loving our wives in a way that she can feel it and know it in her heart. Wives, your greatest duty in marriage is to respect your husband for who he is as the head of the home, as the band that's holding the home together, that you would respect him in that. And sometimes we go, well, I will start respecting when he starts loving. And sometimes the husbands are going, I'll start loving when she starts respecting. Some of the husbands are going, I mowed the yard yesterday. And she went out there after I mowed the yard. Instead of telling me how great I did, she was like, there is still that weed in the corner. It's growing up there on the, up against the fence. Wives, like, okay, the weed's there, fine. But you know what you should do? Go out there and be like, honey, I mean, I don't know if we've ever won yard of the month before in our neighborhood, but we're, I mean, we're bound to win it today. Like this, this is amazing. Thank you for doing that. I am going to reward you tonight. Anyway, like there's some different things that, 
<laughs> okay. But what do we do? We don't trust that if I respect him, we don't trust that he's going to return with love for me. And man, we don't trust that if I love her, it's not gonna, she's not ever going to respect me. How do we start to... People have asked, Lord, uh, Pastor, how do we start to trust one another? I'm not sure we start trusting. You start trusting. You start trusting God's word. Amen, right? You start trusting God's word. And you start trusting that if you'll do your part, that God will bring about. Will marriage be perfect if you do your part? Is everything going to be always like, no, I'm not saying that. But I am saying that this subscription that Paul gives does bring success. And we should not have this faulty feeling that, well, marriage is just, it's impossible. And the divorce rate in the church is the same as the divorce rate in the world. It's not. That's a statement that the enemy's been trying to promote out there a lot, especially people who actually come to church and who are involved in church. The, the divorce rate, I mean, plummets for them. Why? Because this stuff works. You can be successful in your marriage. And maybe this is the rule to kind of just to, to, to kind of part with, and, and to, you, you just it just never changes. Husbands and wives both. You can't get what you need by depriving your partner of what your partner needs. In marriage, you're not going to get what you want by depriving your partner of what they need. So no, let's trust the word. Let's trust this truth. Let's not live under a contract of marriage. Let's live under a covenant of marriage. Let's begin protecting our future marriage now, single people. Let's honor this institution that God saw fit to give us as a gift. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.